Support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu certificate to learn more. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. You're listening to MindShift, a podcast about the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Ki Sung. We're back a little early this year because we have some announcements and a treat. The first big announcement is that I have a new co-host, <gasps> Nima Gobier. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so happy you're here. Nima, for all the folks out there who don't know you as well as I do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. So I have a background in arts and education. I've been a teacher with young kiddos and teens. I've spent a lot of time in schools and after school programs. Most recently, I worked at a youth media organization. And I'm at MindShift now because I love to talk about the ways adults are showing up for young people so that they'll hopefully become cool older people. You know, we can't start the podcast without mentioning Katrina Schwartz, who was with us for five seasons of MindShift. We're lucky that she's still in the KQED podcast family over at Bay Curious, where she explores the San Francisco Bay Area one question at a time. You can still find her work on education at mindshift.kqed.org. And now for the next big announcement, we're trying out shorter episodes. There'll be interviews with notable educators making waves in the field, and we hope that this will help you learn more about important issues as they're happening in education. This will be in addition to the typical MindShift season that brings you the stories of educators paving pathways for students to flourish. We're working on those now, and they'll start dropping in July. So let's hear the first of these interviews. It's on a topic on a lot of people's minds how adults can talk about race with kids. This is important because about 80% of educators in American K-12 public schools are white, and more than half of students in public schools are of color. And like so many people in this country, research shows white teachers are uncomfortable talking about race. But the willingness to engage in these conversations is growing. Here to help is Dr. Sonia Cherry-Paul. She's the author of the brand new book, Stamped for Kids, and it comes out today. Her book helps explain racism to seven to 12 year olds. It gives them the tools to understand racism and the ways to work towards dismantling it. 
This book is an adaptation of Dr. Ibram X. Kendi and Jason Reynolds' book, Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You. I sat down with Dr. Sonia Cherry-Paul to talk about her new book, and I started by asking her how we might start race conversations with kids. We should begin with what kids are already seeing and what young children are seeing, our youngest children, they're seeing racial differences in terms of skin color. There's an emphasis on how we're all the same and therefore difference by default becomes bad. As parents, as caregivers, we can talk to our children about the beauty and uniqueness of, of all people. And when I talk with young kids, they'll often agree with that. And, and then I will intentionally say, but did you know that there are some people who are made to feel bad about the way they look? Their hair or their skin or their eyes, that's racism. And these are parts of our identities, right? These are our gifts. They shouldn't have to change, but some children are, are made to feel that they should. Having those kinds of conversations really matter to young kids because they're experiencing that. They're seeing it happening in their schools and on playgrounds. These kind of racist affronts happen every day to young children, and it's, it's incredibly painful. And added pain is when young children express this to, to the adults in their worlds, and we, as adults, dismiss or downplay them. What they're learning is that school is an unsafe place for them and that they matter less or, or not at all. Which can be really disempowering. What I think is empowering to children is to know that systems and institutions that have been built by people can also be dismantled by people. That they have a choice about who they want to be. And that choice begins right now as they are young people. We can also make sure that young children understand what race is, Race is something that has been made up, that these racial categories um, have and continue to be constructed with a purpose. And that purpose is to create this hierarchy where white people are at the top and other racial groups are beneath. And while race is made up, racism is certainly real. We can teach them that racism is more than um, these individual acts of hate, but it operates as a system. And we can help them to see evidence of that all around them in their schools as they notice who their teachers and principals are and aren't at the doctor's office, on television shows, in the books that they read, certainly in policing and legal systems and, um, and government. You know, we can help students identify the way whiteness is valued in society and other perspectives and powerful ways of knowing in the world are, are dismissed and, or silenced. And that brings up my next question. At MindShift, we sometimes get responses on social media questioning the age appropriateness of talking about race to kids. What would you say to that? There is no research that I've read that supports that, right? Kids learn about race and racism before they even enter kindergarten, pre-K. There's just tons of research that talks about how infants recognize racial difference and that young children by preschool already have misconceptions about race and will hold on to, to racist ideas. Um, so it is urgent that as educators, we are doing everything we can to disrupt that because when we don't, kids are left to try to make sense of this on their own. 
It's important to know also that Black and Brown caregivers and parents, we've been having these conversations about race and racism with our children since since they were really young. And the good news that I think it's important for folks to know is that these conversations get easier the more you have them. But certainly Black and Brown people can't be the only ones having these conversations. Tell me a little bit more about some of the techniques you use to reach this younger audience. I know that Stamps for Kids is geared towards 7 to 12-year-olds. There were some structural changes that had to happen in order to make this go. Uh, The chapters are a little bit shorter. Rochelle Baker has gifted the world with stunning art that is throughout the book. And I think it makes a difference for young children to see the faces of, of people that they're learning about. It's a constant reminder that we're talking about real people and choices made or not made that impacted people then and people right now. There's also a lot of just nonfiction conventions, such as the glossary and the timeline to support young readers. And, you know, in terms of the writing in Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism and You, Jason includes these powerful moments for readers to have like time outs and time ins and to pause and to unpause, to inhale, to exhale. And it feels like a moment to catch your breath and to process. And I knew that this would be pretty important for young kids to have those moments too and to to even have more of them. So I use them as opportunities to debrief, to recenter, to connect one idea to another to help them put things all together in this brief moment before moving ahead. Again, when I I think of being in a classroom of children and teaching children, there would always be these moments when kids would interrupt and say, wait, 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 Can can you just repeat that? Can you explain that again? or just to say the words themselves. And and younger children, they really need that beat, that chance to inhale and and to exhale. What are some of the tools that caregivers, parents, and educators have at our disposal? One of the most important tools is to self-reflect, to admit their own biases and to interrogate them, um, to develop racial literacy themselves so that they can teach it to children. And, And that means that there are a lot of adults that need to do some learning and unlearning. And so we can read books and engage podcasts that help us to strengthen our understandings because one book isn't enough. Read to learn and to unlearn. Are there any particular parts from Stamped for Kids that you're hoping adults will absorb and benefit from? There's a tendency, I think, to locate racism as a past occurrence. And what I'm hoping they will see is everything that is in Stamped brings us right here to this moment today. I I think it can be challenging to face the fact that there was never a plan for Black people to be free in this country. That the oppression of Black people has always been part of the blueprint of the nation. Um, Racist policies and practices are are part of the architecture used to build all of, of the nation's institutions. Lastly, how can we be making sure that these conversations are sustained? This has to be ongoing work, lifelong work, not work that's just going to end today or tomorrow or with one Black History Month assignment 
oh, we've got a black president, so great racism is over. Um, and I think kids are smart. They know that. They, the, the world keeps handing us our curriculum. Um, they're seeing folks in the streets marching and protesting. That is through the discussions that kids start to find clarity, that kids start to find answers and how they plan to show up in the world as allies and accomplices and co-conspirators that are, that are working to disrupt and dismantle racism. And it's critical that while educators are doing all of that, they can't simply locate Blackness, for example, in oppression, right? Young students need to see the richness and the fullness of Black and Brown people. We need educators to talk and teach about Black, Indigenous people of color in dynamic ways, their joys, their triumphs, ingenuity, their resistance, and resilience and more. So I think in all of these ways, educators can, can create brave spaces in their classrooms to talk about race. Thank you to Dr. Sonia Cherry-Paul for sitting down with me. Her book, Stand for Kids, is out now. The next season of Mindshift launches in July, and we're so excited to bring you stories of teachers finding solutions in education and beyond. I love this class. They're so interested. They're so into it. Who gives care to the caregivers and who nurtures the nurturers? These are conversations that have to happen. Hit follow on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss out. For Mindshift, I'm Nima Gobier. And I'm Ki Sung. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.